The reading this morning is from Jonah, and it's chapter 1, verses 1 to 16, and that can be found on page 927 in the Church Bibles. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, O Lord. Have have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah, chapter 1. And the verses that we read earlier with Mike. Last week we were talking about bringing God's word to God's world. And it got me thinking. I, I watched a video on YouTube not long ago and it's, and it's been on my mind for quite some time. It was by a, um, a comedian slash social commentator, and she was talking about world religion and how similar they all are, and about how petty the differences are, and about how we should all just get along and be nice to one another, and never disagree, always encourage, never criticize. And on one level, I really wanted to say, 
Yes, that's lovely. That's just so nice, isn't it? Just so nice. It's like, yeah, there are a few differences, but let's just forget about them. We'll just be nice and never disagree. Well, how does that relate to what we were talking about last week? Bringing God's word to God's world. Because, as we can see from that video, hasn't our world progressed from Jonah's time? Haven't we moved beyond the, the black and white, either there's this God or it's no other God? Aren't we in this age of tolerance, of a multi-faith society, where I can have my God, you can have your God, and that's fine? Haven't we progressed beyond that? What should our response be? Living in a multi-faith society. Do we have anything as Christians that we can contribute, that we should be offering, saying to people of other faiths, whether that's faith in another God or some kind of atheistic faith? And if we do have something to say, how do we bring God's word to God's world in a multi-faith society? Well, that's what we're looking at here in Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 to 16. And I want to look at those verses very simply under two headings. <coughs> only one God and only one sacrifice. Only one God, only one sacrifice. So, only one God. What's the weather forecast for your soul? On some days, life just seems so sunny. Everything is, is bathed in this warm sunshine. There's not a cloud in the sky. There's the gentlest of breeze tickling the leaves in the trees, and everything is good. Your friends are around you. You've got no health worries. Your finances are looking up. There's plenty to do. Life is just great. Sadly, life isn't always like this. If you're like most people, then the skies are less brilliant, dazzling blue and more a kind of cloudy grey with occasional outbreaks. If you're asked, how are you doing today? You respond with a very British, I'm okay, thanks, how are you? Of course, there are problems but it's nothing you can't deal with, so you just keep calm and carry on, or keep calm and drink tea, or keep calm and whatever else you have on your t-shirt. But then there are the stormy days. The days when crises hit. Death, illness, pain. And the clouds that, that linger Depression, confusion, loneliness, grief, conflict. What do we do on these days? Whatever you do, nothing seems to change. And there seems like there's no end to the darkness. You've been caught out in the rain. 
and you're chilled to the bone? Where do you look for hope that the sunny days will return? What will bring you through this downpour? Who do you cry out to in the storm? Let's look at these verses and find out. Starting from verse 4, Jonah is, is running away, isn't he? He's running away from the mission that God has given him. And by the time we, we join him here, his getaway vehicle is out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. But he hasn't escaped yet. God wants to bring him back. God wants to teach him something about who he is. And so in verse 4, you can read that God sends this great wind onto the sea. Actually, if you're, if you're reading in a different version, you might read, God hurled a great wind onto the sea. And this captures something of the strength and the power that God is exerting here. Imagine a shot putter in the Olympics. This big, burly guy, he, he has the shot in his hand and he crouches down low, winds up, and with all his power, hurls the shot into the distance. That's the kind of power, that's the kind of image we're talking about here. God, with all his strength and might, hurls this mighty wind onto the sea, and a great storm arises. The, uh, the dark clouds draw in, the rain buckets down, the thunders roar, the lightning flashes, and there in the middle of this enormous storm is a tiny ship tossed about by towering waves. Rightly so, the sailors are terrified. And this storm keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. Verse 13, the sea grew even wilder. And me meanwhile, the terrified sailors, they're doing everything that they can to stop them going under. The first thing to go is the cargo that they're being paid to transport. Verse, uh, verse 5, they, they start chucking the cargo overboard to try and lighten the ship. And meanwhile, as they're rushing about, each one is crying out to his own God, hoping that they'd be rescued, hoping that they'd be saved. However, there's one person who, who doesn't seem bothered by the storm. Jonah has gone below deck, we assume when he got on board, and like a teenager on a Monday morning, he is totally dead to the world. He is in a deep sleep, totally oblivious to the storm that is going on around him. Up on deck, the captain, amid all this chaos, realizes that there's someone missing. He rushes down below deck and says to Jonah, get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Do you see the uncertainty of the sailor's situation? 
the maybe, the perhaps. They've all been crying out to different gods, hoping that they'd be rescued, but nothing's happening apart from the storm getting worse. And so the captain says, call on your God, maybe. Maybe he will rescue us. There's so much uncertainty. They're not really sure which God to cry out to. They're not really sure if they're the ones that are supposed to solve the problem. And they're not sure that even if they find the right God, he'd actually want to save them anyway. Notice something odd at this point. In verse 7 onwards. Even though he's been told to, Jonah still doesn't pray. Jonah doesn't call on his God. He's still running away. He knows exactly what's going on. But he doesn't want to tell him. He allows the sailors to continue in their confusion until eventually the information is forced out of him. The sailors, they've done as much as they can now. Maybe they've chucked all the cargo off. And they gather in a tight circle on this ship with this, all this chaos around them, these huge waves, and they want to get to the bottom of why this storm has happened. So they cast lots, similar to maybe plucking straws or rolling dice. And the lot falls on Jonah. So they ask Jonah a, a series of panicked questions. And how does Jonah respond? Verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. Now this bit's really, really interesting. What is it that terrifies the sailors? Jonah has already told them, we read in verse 10, that he's running away from the Lord. So what is it? What is the new bit of information that the sailors receive that terrifies them? The sailors knew that Jonah was running away from his God. But the sailors thought this was just another local deity. Just another God that he was running away from. One among many. They thought he has his God, I have mine. That's fine. Let him run away from him. But what Jonah says here, what Jonah teaches us about our God here, is what terrifies them. Our God is not just another one God among many others. He can't be limited to one particular space, one particular country. Our God is greater than that. He's not just the God of Israel. He's the God of heaven. The one who made the sea and the dry land. In other words, the one who made the whole world. Our God reigns over the whole world, over the whole universe. These multi-faith sailors have just been told that there's only one God. And Jonah is running away from this one true God, and they are terrified. They are terrified. 
Realising this, a great transformation happens for these sailors. At the start of the chapter, these multi-faith sailors, they fear the storm. By the end, they greatly fear the Lord. At the start of the chapter, each cries out to his own God. But in verse 14, we see that they all, with one voice, cry out to the Lord, the one true God. Only the God of the Bible, only this God, can affect real change in their situation. Now, we live in a world very similar to Jonah's little boat there in the Mediterranean Ocean. This is a multi-faith society where people have the freedom to follow whichever God they like. Now, in some ways, that's good, that's okay. Human beings have the right, the dignity to choose who to follow. And it's our responsibility as Bible-believing Christians to treat all people with respect, whatever faith they follow. But there is one key fact that we will never compromise on. There is only one God. There is only one God. He's not just the God of the West. He's not just the God of of churchy, middle-class people. He is the God of the whole universe. The God of the Bible reigns over everyone. Whatever faith they might claim, whether they follow another God, whether they uh, claim to be atheists, that doesn't change the fact that God reigns. God reigns over all. So how about you? When the stormy days hit, who do you cry out to? Who do you call on? Now I I imagine the fact that you're here this morning probably means that not many of you here cry to the God of another religion. But maybe there are some people here who who cry out to the God of, of your own imagination. You've worked it out. You've taken some inspiration from the Bible. You've cobbled it together with some common sense. You've taken out the bits of the Bible you don't like and you you put it all together and that's your God. And when tough times hit, you cry out to that God. Such a God cannot help you. The only God that can offer you real comfort, the only God that can give you the strength to endure is the God of the Bible. You can't take bits out Add bits in. It's the God of the Bible that you need to cry out to. Perhaps more so. We can be like Jonah. We can be in the middle of a storm. Finding it really difficult. And yet we still don't call out to our God. Isn't that crazy? 
Isn't that crazy? We worship the only true God, limitless power, who loves us, cares for us, wants to help us, wants to draw near to us in our time of need, and yet sometimes we just don't cry out to him. It's kind of crazy, right? And yet all of us have fallen for that trap. When the storms hit, cry out to the God of the Bible and know his comfort, know his presence, know his power, know his strength. There's only one God. Secondly, there is only one sacrifice. Back to Jonah's boat in the middle of the Mediterranean. These sailors, they've gone from crying out to each, each to his own gods, now they cry out to the Lord, and the, car, the, the seas go calm. Done, right? I missed out something. I missed out something very important. Because there was something that had to be dealt with. There was some sin that had to be dealt with. There was fault that had to be dealt with. Jonah knows this. The sailors, they've realized there's only one God. They want to know how they can stop this storm. They ask Jonah. Jonah realizes that he's the one at fault. We see, in, uh, we see that in verse, verse 12. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And so he thinks to himself, well, I'm done for either way. There's no reason these sailors should die with me. So he says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the storm will calm down for you. It's almost as if this reluctant prophet has become a reluctant sacrifice. And sure enough, he's thrown into the sea, and immediately the clouds break. The sun shines, and the sea is calm. The sailors, well, they're, they've gone from fearing the storm, and now they're terrified, not of the storm, not of the sea, but they're terrified, greatly feared, greatly afraid of the Lord. And so they go back to land, they make a sacrifice, another sacrifice notice, a sacrifice of thanks, and they make vows to the Lord to promise to continue to follow him. Now, for them, continuing to follow the Lord would have meant a lot more sacrifices. So we've got three little pointers here to something more. We've got Jonah's sacrifice, even though it's a bit reluctant. We've got the sacrifice in verse 16 of thanks that the sailors make. And then the vow to continue to follow the Lord, to make the sacrifices that God had planned in his word. All of these things point to something greater. This whole story points to something greater. Because there is a greater storm coming. But there is also a greater sacrifice. There's a greater storm. Because like Jonah, we are all at fault. We are all guilty. We have all run away from God. And God 
the righteous judge. Because he is good. Will punish sin. You know, deep down we all demand justice. When we hear on the news, uh, even this morning, of a bomb going off in, in New York City, it wounding about 30 people. We demand justice. We want the people that set off that bomb to be caught. Justice is good. And God, the good judge, will be just. And he will punish sin. And so there is this storm gathering over all of us. But there is a greater sacrifice. I'm from a place called Wales. And uh, in Wales, you know that if you live to the southwest of a mountain, you're going to get soaked with rain 90% of the time. Let me explain this. Um, The wind uh, normally in Britain comes up from the southwest, or if you're looking at it, that way. And so in Wales, the wind comes up through the Irish Channel. It picks up all this moisture, uh, all this water vapour, forms clouds, and it goes across the land, and then it comes to these mountains. And so the clouds are forced up, and as it goes up, it gets colder, and the water vapour condenses. It turns back to liquid, and it all gets chucked down on this side of the mountain as it's going up. So this side of the mountain gets everything. It just is soaked 90% of the time. But if you live on the other side of the mountain, no rain. It's going to be sunny. Let me tell you about another mountain. Let me tell you about Mount Calvary, where Jesus died on a cross And it's as if the storm of God's wrath was coming up and all those black clouds of God's righteous anger against sin gathered over Jesus on that cross and emptied down on him. All of God's righteous anger against sin was taken by his son as Jesus died on that cross. And so you and I, if we trust in him, We stand on the sunny side of the cross. Jesus has taken that storm for you and I so that we can enjoy the warmth of God's love, the freedom from sin, never having to face God's wrath, knowing only his love. And so I want to invite you if you've never trusted in Jesus before, maybe if you've never even prayed before, to cry out to God today, to ask him to forgive you for the wrong that you've done, forgive you for for running away from him, he who wants to know you so badly. And you will know what it is to stand on the sunny side of the cross, free, knowing only God's love being certain of a home with God forever in heaven. There is only one sacrifice. Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, as we finish, we've seen this transformation 
these sailors going from multi-faith, each crying out to their own gods, to all crying out to the Lord, trusting in the sacrifices that he laid down, being forgiven, having a relationship with him. What does this mean for the question I asked at the start? Do we have anything to say to those who follow another faith? Whether that's another God or a kind of atheistic faith. And if we do, how do we bring God's word to God's world in a multi-faith society? What we see in this chapter in Jonah, above all, is that we have a missionary God who will make himself known in a multi-faith world. And we have something completely unique to share. Sure, other religions may have some similar morals to us. Other religions may have some similar ideas to us. But no other religion has a saviour like Jesus Christ. He is totally unique. No other religion has a God who would suffer for his people. And so, when the people, when people around you, your, your neighbours, your colleagues, your friends, your, your fellow, uh, your classmates, when you see them going through stormy days, even if they follow another faith, you can offer them something that, that they don't have. Tell them about the God who knows what it's like to suffer. Tell them about Jesus who came to this world, this broken world, and knew what it was like to grieve. Knew what it was like to be weak. Tell them about Jesus who can comfort them on those stormy days and offer to pray with them. That's one of the greatest evangelistic tools that we have. People of any faith often <coughs> will be very complimented if uh, in your day-to-day your -day life, in your relationship with them, you are off, offer them prayer. We have to be careful, obviously, if you're, if you're employed, if you've got work restrictions on things like that. We have to be wise. But, but in our day-to-day -day friendships, pray with people. Who are going through the storm. And then, when you remember that as things stand, your Muslim, Hindu, or, or atheist friend or neighbor faces a greater storm in the future, tell them about Jesus, the Son of God who came to earth to die so that we don't have to. Do we have anything to share in this multi-faith world? Yes. We have a unique message. We have this good news that people need to hear. People all around us are dying and we have such a wonderful message to tell them. Final encouragement for reluctant witnesses. 
Jonah was a terrible witness, wasn't he? He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to speak. He didn't want to say anything. And maybe we feel like that as well. Be encouraged. Because God still used Jonah to speak, to reveal himself to these sailors. And God can still use you. However reluctant you are, even if you're worried you might say the wrong thing, God can still use you. And that is a wonderfully encouraging thing. Let me pray. Almighty Father, we acknowledge that you are the only true God. And there is only one sacrifice. And we thank you for him. Father, we pray that if anyone here is not yet trusting in Jesus, that you'd speak to their souls today. That your Holy Spirit would convict them of their need of a Savior. And that they call out to you. And know what it is to stand on the sunny side of the cross. And for the rest of us, reluctant witnesses, we pray that you'd help us. We pray that you'd speak through us. Help us to take the opportunities that you give us to speak your words to your world in a multi-faith society. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.